sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. There are times when a mother who plans a breastfeed is faced with the challenge of a baby who is unable to feed directly from her breast. Her choices may come down to completely drying up or exclusively pumping. How can a mother make exclusive pumping work for her? What are the benefits and the challenges? Today, I'm thrilled to welcome a new expert to the show. Stephanie Casemore is a mother, teacher, and writer living in Eastern Ontario, Canada. After pumping for her son for one year, she wrote the book Exclusively Pumping Breast Milk, a guide to providing express breast milk for your baby. Today, we are discussing the basics of exclusive pumping. This is The Boob Group, episode 94. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Did you know that we have now over 90 episodes ranging from breastfeeding newborns, infants, and toddlers? Just download them from our website, theboobgroup.com, or you can use one of our fancy little apps on iTunes or Amazon Marketplace, or you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and have the episodes automatically added to your account each week. Today, I am joined by three lovely panelists in the studio. Ladies, will you please introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Cindy. Um, I... I'm a planner scheduler at NASCO. Um, I plan electrical planning for Navy ships. And I have two children. They're both boys. And one is actually going to be 16 years old in April. And I have a two-year-old boy, Orlando and Romeo. Awesome. Thank you. All right. My name is Jane Gamble, and I am a stay-at-home Navy wife. And I have a two-year-old boy, Caden. Wonderful. And last but not least... Hi everyone, I'm Sunny, and I'm the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces the Boob Group, Parent Savers, Preggy Pals, and our new show Twin Talks. I'm a mommy of four under four, <laughs> and um, that includes two boys, um, ages three and almost two, as well as a new, well, I guess they're not newborns anymore, but twins, they're two and a half months old, I finally got my little girls, and um, those are the ones that I exclusively pumped. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to introduce MJ, who is our producer 
Fisher, and she's going to talk a little bit about our virtual panelist program. Yes. Um, so our virtual panelist program is amazing, if I do say so myself. Um, although it has nothing to do with me, um, it's our listeners are just so helpful. Um, it's kind of a sneak preview of our show before it releases. So um, if you're not local or you can't be in the studio... You can be part of our show. You can give your opinions, um, validate others. You know, it just makes you feel normal when you got somebody that's uh, got your back and has been in the same situation. So, and we in the studio, we may even read your comment while we record. Um, and I try to post info as we're getting it from the show, so you kind of get it as a sneak preview. So check out theboobgroup.com under the community tab uh, for more info on the P- VP program and possible perks for participation. Awesome. Thanks, MJ. Yeah. <coughs> Sound familiar? <coughs> if your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Hi, Boot Group listeners. I'm Lara Adello, a certified lactation educator, volunteer Best for Babes, and author of The Virtual Breastfeeding Culture. I'm here to answer some of your most common questions about how you can achieve your personal breastfeeding goals without being undermined by cultural and institutional booby traps. Such as, what do you do when you can't get your provider to treat your baby's tongue tie? While healthcare providers have all heard of tongue tie, getting one to recognize its impact on breastfeeding or finding a provider who can treat one in a timely manner can be very challenging. It can take weeks to get an appointment with a physician sometimes, as not all of them will deal with a tongue tie. But what about moms? who can't find a doctor who will, one, acknowledge that a tight frenulum is causing breastfeeding difficulty, and two, treat it with a phrenotomy if that's what parents choose. In the days before bottle feeding became the norm, phrenotomy, clipping a tight frenulum, was done frequently and routinely. It fell out of favor starting in the 1940s as bottle feeding became more common. According to Katherine Watson-Jenna, author of Supporting Sucking Skills in Breastfeeding Infants, But it's 2013, 40 years after breastfeeding rates began to climb, and we're stuck searching for providers who help with a condition that affects up to 13% of all babies. And it's even more difficult to get care or even acknowledgement for a posterior tongue tie, which is less represented in the literature. Just in case you need research to prove how big of an impact tongue ties have on breastfeeding research has shown that mothers with babies with tongue ties are three times as likely as other mothers to wean in the first week. Care for tongue tie is improving, but until every mom has access to a provider who can swiftly diagnose and treat it, it remains a significant booby trap. A special thank you to Tanya Lieberman, IBCLC, for writing the booby trap series for Best for Babes. 
Visit bestforbabes.org for more great information about how to meet your personal breastfeeding goals and check out my book, The Virtual Breastfeeding Culture for Collection of Breastfeeding Stories. And be sure to listen to The Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, so today we're talking about the basics of exclusively pumping. I'm thrilled to introduce Stephanie Casemore to our show. Stephanie is the author of two books, Exclusively Pumping Breast Milk, A Guide to Providing Express Breast Milk for Your Baby, and Breastfeeding Take Two, Successful Breastfeeding the Second Time Around. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you for having me, Robin. Absolutely. So, Stephanie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Why did you decide to exclusively pump for your son, and was this a difficult choice? Well, okay, so my son was born uh, nine weeks premature. He was born at 31 weeks, and I had developed very severe preeclampsia and was hospitalized at 30 weeks, and they decided to induce me at 31. So uh, initially, I began exclusively pumping out of necessity. My my intention was always to breastfeed my baby, and uh, so when he was born so early, you know, the pump and I became <laughs> close friends early <laughs> on. Um, after about two weeks in the hospital, he did begin short attempts at breastfeeding. Um, he continued to make attempts, not terribly efficiently, and we weren't transferring much milk. I eventually moved into the hospital with him for close to two weeks into a care-by-parent unit, and we continued efforts, uh, you know, nursing each, each uh, time he would feed and me continuing as well to pump. But in an effort to get him home earlier, um, we decided to introduce a bottle and um, brought him home. And things just continued. We had, we had challenges. He started projectile vomiting. Um, I developed thrush. And things just became very overwhelming. Um, the cycle of breastfeeding, pumping, bottle feeding, you know, became exceptionally overwhelming. And so it was around his uh, due date. And breastfeeding still hadn't improved at all. I made the decision um, partially just for my own sanity and partially just because I felt I needed to to move forward and know where I was heading, I decided that I would just continue pumping it. It was working well for me. I didn't know that anybody else in the world did it, and I hear that often from most women that, you know, they thought they, uh, they think they've invented exclusively pumping. Um, and, and so that's really the reason why I pumped. Um, was it a difficult choice? I, I think at the time... It wasn't a difficult choice because I, I really felt that I couldn't emotionally hang on any longer with uh, where I was at. There were, you know, a number of things going on in my life. My father was ill. Just the physical toll that um, having preeclampsia had on my, my own health, all of those things kind of built up. So the choice of exclusively pump wasn't really difficult, but I think the loss of breastfeeding to me was, was what became um, more challenging in the end. And you have a very active Facebook um, page for exclusive pumpers. And so what are some of the main reasons that you find that uh, uh, these other mothers are also choosing to exclusively pump? I, I think the vast majority of women that I'm in contact with are women who wanted to breastfeed, who went into their pregnancy um, 
with that understanding that they would be breastfeeding. Um, so most of them end up exclusively pumping because of challenges that they faced with breastfeeding, latch problems, pain, tongue ties, supply concerns, um, those kinds of things. Uh, there's also a lot of women who have had preemies who end up pumping initially and who often, you know, hope to uh, transition to breastfeeding. There's many babies who um, are born with cleft palates and cleft lips and their mothers will pump for them. And then there's another group of women who have babies with Down syndrome or Prader-Willi syndrome, heart defects, so health concerns. And there's also quite a few uh, surrogate moms on the group who uh, continue, or not continue, but they, they provide milk for their surrogate babies after they've given birth and um, ship it to the parents. So there's a real wide variety. I would say, though, the vast majority are women who wanted to breastfeed and were unable to. And there are still a few, um, not the majority, but there are some who, for whatever reasons, have chosen that that is a better option for them than direct breastfeeding. And so they uh, make the choice to provide breast milk in that way. Okay. And I'd love to open this up now to our panelists to talk about kind of what what was their reason for deciding to exclusively pump. And so, Cindy, you want to start off? Sure. Um, I actually had the intention of exclusively breastfeeding from the beginning. Um, I have two sons, as I said earlier, and I did not breastfeed my first son. And breastfeeding just wasn't part of my house. My, my mom didn't breastfeed any of us, so I kind of didn't have any information about it. I didn't really know. And I had my first son when I was very young. I was 17. So it was everything was just really overwhelming for me at that time. And it was just an easier option to formula feed when I was that young. Um, but since I didn't know very much about breastfeeding, I was kind of uncomfortable with it. And I totally find other people do it. I have no problem with that <laughs> at all. I think it's great, beautiful, and all of that, it just wasn't for me. But I still wanted to make sure that my son got the best food that he could get, even if it was going to be m- harder than formula feeding now that I'm an adult and I can make better decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's why I decided to, to exclusively pump. All right. How about you, Jane? I decided to pump because my son had latch issues from the beginning, undiagnosed tongue tie and later undiagnosed uh, lip tie. And he also has a sensory processing disorder, which also helped with uh, the latch issue. Um, so I initially decided to pump um, t- because I wanted to breastfeed. Um, I wanted to pump um, initially for a year, and then I ended up continuing because he ended up having some feeding issues later on, and I knew that breast milk was going to give him the best. So I pumped for two years. <laughs> Definitely our six. Our we have several <laughs> success stories in here because Cindy, you pumped for a year, correct? Yes. Yeah, amazing. How about you, Sunny? Well, you're, mine's you're, not you're, that much. Yeah, <laughs> not well, as you much just, as a year. You're starting off. Matter. Oh my I gosh. Exclusively yeah. pumping is very difficult. It I is. Ma- I know you, Mel. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, my my little girls, my twins, were born at 35 weeks, and I I didn't know that there was a problem at first at all. I put them right to the breast, and you know, in the beginning, newborns don't really need that much anyways, and they were kind of rooting around. But um, I was noticing a lot of pain with it, and it just it just didn't quite feel right, and um, I was seeking the advice of lactation consultant, and you know we c- were looking in their mouths and noticed a little bit, you know, possible tongue tie, lip tie situation. Um, but I have to say, you know, if I really pushed for it, I could have done it, and it would have been painful probably. But 
I really um, when when you're when you're feeding twins, it's all about schedule, <laughs> and the idea of just um, always feeding a baby at the breast was a little overwhelming to me. And the tandem thing when they're when they're that young really doesn't work. You really gotta unless you have someone else helping you, you really have to focus in on one baby at a time. So the tandem thing was kind of off the table, and um, like I said, just breastfeeding all the time wasn't really a possibility. So I really like the ability. And they had to eat a. They had to eat very frequently, you know. So it was every three hours. And I'm thinking, you know, if I did this, I would just always have a baby on me, you know. So um, I was able to get a hospital pump, which was great, covered by insurance and everything, straight out of the gate, right when I left the hospital. And um, that opened up a whole new world for me. I had had personal pumps in the past, and never really had a really good relationship with the pump with my with my sons. I always tried to avoid it if I could, but this has been a lifesaver for me with the girls because I'm all about feeding at the same time. And honestly, because I'm putting out so much milk, which is fantastic, and I'm very appreciative of that, but sometimes I just want to feel empty. (laughs) (laughs) I want my breast to just deflate for a while. (laughs) And it's rare that the girls will do that. So a pump helps me get everything out and then helps me keep up my supply. All right, cool. So Stephanie, when making the choice to exclusively pump, what do you notice are some of the positive outcomes if especially breastfeeding has been challenging and then what are some common challenges that a mother should maybe prepare herself when considering exclusively pumping? Um, I think if, if breastfeeding has been challenging, uh, there's often a lot of stress and there's a lot of exhaustion. Um, so making the choice to exclusively pump can be a bit of a, um, a relief of some of those pressures that a mother might be feeling. Uh, it gives a bit of a a new focus so that you know, rather than focusing so much on the problems, they can focus on solution. Um, so I think emotionally it can be helpful. Um, I think sometimes also moms who are experiencing difficulties with breastfeeding also feel a sense of rejection from their baby. and They maybe aren't able to bond with the baby as much as they had expected to or hoped to. Um, so finding kind of a solution to resolve some of the challenges can also allow them to start connecting with their baby. And I hear that a lot, that a lot of mothers saying they didn't feel that they were connecting and bonding with their child until they started pumping. You know, it's a, it's a different situation if breastfeeding is going well, but when you're faced with, you know, pain every time you, you try to latch your child or your baby's not getting enough milk or, you know, whatever other situations are involved, it, it's a real struggle and emotionally. Um, I think that's one of the, uh, one of the biggest positives is that, you know, you're, you're moving away from a lot of those challenges and, off, and offering a solution to those. Um, in terms of the challenges of pumping, I think probably the most common one is simply the time commitment that's required, uh, especially early on uh, in the first, first few weeks. Um, in order to establish a, tr- a strong milk supply, you're looking at pumping at least usually about eight times a day, sometimes more. And fitting it all in can be challenging. It's, it's hard enough having a newborn to care for. And then when you put in you know, 120 minutes sitting, having to express milk, and then feeding your baby, and then adding in you know, all the cleaning of bottles and management of milk, you're, you're, adding, you're adding a lot more into it as well. Um, but it's, it's not as emotional, so it's not the emotional challenges that you were experiencing when breastfeeding. So... The, the challenge, I mean, there, there's lots of, there's lots of um, 
other positives that women will you know, women will feel that are there, and there's definitely other challenges, but those would be the ones that I would highlight as probably the biggest. Okay, and while you were talking, all of our panelists were nodding their head in agreement with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, ladies, let's talk a little bit about what did you notice maybe as one of the best benefits that you saw with exclusively pumping, and then maybe one of the, the, the biggest challenges that you had. Um, Jane, how about you? Um, I would say probably one of the best benefits that I saw was that he was getting my milk and it's something that he could tolerate. Um, and later on we found a lot of uh, food allergies, but it's something that made me proud that it's something that I could give to him. Um, and then one of the challenges again was time and time management as far as making sure I got all the bottles clean and trying to take care of a newborn. My husband was deployed, all this stuff. It's a lot of challenges. And luckily, being here in San Diego, I've got a great group of friends that have a lot of support. Um, but I know that there's a lot of moms that get a lot of pushback, and that's a lot of big challenges. Um, and there's the, the so-called mommy wars of formula versus breast milk and what's best and whatever, as long as we're feeding our babies and making sure they're healthy. But that's a big challenge. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Cindy? Um, I would say the biggest challenge is definitely the time, like the amount of time it takes to pump and then you have to feed your baby and kind of time all that out. I mean, luckily my husband was here, so bravo to you for (laughs) doing it alone. (laughs) So if I was pumping, you know, and my son was hungry, my husband would feed him the milk I pumped earlier. So, and also, you know, a weird challenge is that I had so much milk, I didn't have room for it in my fridge or my freezer. That was a little bit challenge, but it was a good challenge. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good thing. Um, a good, uh, surprising good thing about it was that I had so much milk, I got to give my milk to my friends who could not breastfeed. Oh, that's that so was that awesome was uh, that was really nice, and I I was happy happy about that. That was really cool. Okay, cool. How about you, Sunny? The biggest benefit was the ability for other people to help feed my babies. That is, oh yes, just, that. yes, well, that yeah. is huge. That was, Especially huge. with two. Oh, my yes, yes, because I would literally pump and then give the bottles to someone else. Well, my my parents were in town for a while, and so they each wanted a baby. I said, great. I will pump <laughs> and I will give you the bottles and you can feed them. Um, so that was probably the biggest benefit. Just and, and the ability now just to keep on a schedule, like I said. I, I feel like I have more control over the situation and I know they're getting all the nutrients and everything that they need and so there's no guilt or anything tied to that. Um, the biggest challenge, I think just like the ladies mentioned, it's just the time that's involved and, you know, I got to do all the dishes and then, oh, clean the pump bottles and then, you know, I've got two other little boys that like to play with the pump and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I just put a video up on YouTube recently. Like, my older son is like, has the pump parts attached to his stomach. Thank you. And saying, I want to help feed the babies. <laughs> but still, like, I'm like, that's like a thousand dollar pump. What are you doing? Um, so, yeah, so it's just all the, you know, and just coming here, you know, in my diaper bag, most of it's pump stuff. It's, it's the pump itself, it's the bottles, it's the nipples. And, you know, just making sure, you know, you just carry all that with you and you have everything you need with you when you need it. Yes, that is definitely. And Sunny, um, you you know, you started kind of touching upon emotional stuff as well. And so, Stephanie, I'd like to talk a little bit about that emotional aspect of exclusively pumping, especially for moms who were planning on breastfeeding and then end up choosing exclusively pumping. You discuss in your book the difference between guilt and grief. Um, Can you describe how these emotions can come into play when exclusively pumping? 
I, I find a lot of women will self-identify them as being guilty, as feeling guilty, I should say. Uh, they feel guilty that they weren't able to breastfeed, that their baby's losing out on something, and they often will say that they've failed, um, which I, I have I have difficulty with that term of failing breastfeeding. Um, but, you know, these are women who are doing so much to provide breast milk for their babies after they've faced, in some cases, just extreme challenges and things that, you know, when I hear of what some women are going through, I'm absolutely amazed and in awe at the uh, the strength at, at some, of so many women. Um, so I, I really don't believe that women who are exclusively pumping failed at anything. And, and I think the word that, uh, the word guilt is often misused since it implies that you, you've done something that you shouldn't have done, that you knew you shouldn't have done, or that you're not doing something that you should have done. But in, in almost all cases, exclusively pumping moms are doing, you know, huge amounts of, you know, they're putting their effort, their, their time, their dedication, their commitment into doing, you know, what they can to be the absolute best for their baby and to give their baby the absolute best that they can in, in, in difficult situation. So instead, I, I would say that moms um, are feeling a loss of breastfeeding and that, um, it's some, you know, breastfeeding is something that's biologically expected, and I believe that most women have, have a desire to breastfeed. Um, and when, that they, when they don't get that experience, you know, our society often tells us to, to get over it, um, you know, that you should be happy, you can feed formula, you know, someone else can feed your baby. And, and as mothers, we're made to feel sometimes that our emotions are either not real or that we're just being silly and we're being too emotional. Um, so... Ultimately, I think some women may feel guilty, but in most cases, I think it's grief that women are feeling um, for that loss of breastfeeding and the loss of the expectations that they had around breastfeeding. Um, and I think that women need to be told that it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to grieve and, you know, at the same time be encouraged that they can still love their baby and they will still bond with their baby and they'll still develop, you know, a strong relationship without direct breastfeeding, um, oftentimes mothers express grief or, excuse me, express guilt over that, that sense that they won't be able to bond in the same way because often breastfeeding is presented to mothers as, you know, the best way to bond with the baby. So, you know, in my, in my, in my work when I'm, when I'm talking with mothers, I, I find that they often need to be reminded of everything that they are doing and be told that it's okay to grieve and feel sad. Um, but that what they're doing is is enough, and it, it's in many cases, you know, more than anyone could be ex- be expected to do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, when we come back, Stephanie and our panelists will discuss their top tips and tricks for exclusive pumping. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic, and finding the perfect Mother's Day gift. It's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now, the Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. 
As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. All right, welcome back to the show. We are chatting with Stephanie Casemore, and our topic is exclusive pumping. So, Stephanie, how important is choosing the right pump and correct flange sizes? I, I think the pump uh, is really, it can make or break your whole experience, and the flange size would be almost as, port, as important. Uh, it's important to get a pump that can, first of all, withstand the frequency of use. You know, if when you're pumping you know, up to eight times a day, you know, 120 minutes or more every day for as long as you pump. And in many cases, women are pumping six months, even a year or beyond. You need to have a pump that's going to withstand that type of use. Um, And I think it's also important to have pumps that have appropriate cycling speed, appropriate suction levels, and preferably ones that are adjustable for both cycling and suction. Um, For moms of preemies and those who have risk of low milk supply, um, if you're pumping for multiples, uh, hospital-grade pump really is the best choice you can make. Um, so I, I think, I think the, since the pump is really the primary means of removing milk, it's got to be the best that you can afford and the best that you can find. Um, having said that, I think there's a lot of women who do find success exclusively pumping with the double electric personal pumps. And I've even heard from women who have pumped long-term with manual pumps. And there was one woman I know of who actually pumped long-term. I shouldn't say pumped. She hand-expressed exclusively for a significant length of time and was very successful doing that. So in the end, really, it's about removing milk. And I always remind women that it is an individual thing. One pump is going to work for one group of women, and another pump will work for another group. So... Finding the best pump that you can is, is really important, and usually that the, the best pumps are the hospital-grade pumps. Um, and as for flanges, I think they're important for comfort, which is obviously important because if you're in pain, um, letdowns are affected, and milk removal tends to be more challenging. Um, but also, if the flanges are impinging on your ducts, then that can uh, affect the ability to remove milk and in the end affects milk supply. So both of those really are um, key to to finding uh, success exclusively pumping. Okay, and for moms who are using the double electric pumps or even single pumps, um, do you rec- I know you recommend pumping both breasts at the same time if possible and also using breast massage. How do you feel that this helps while pumping? Well, there have been studies that show that double pumping is more effective. You'll get more milk when you do that. Uh, since oxytocin, when it's released, and that's what uh, elicits the, let, the milk letdown, it uh, affects both breasts. So if you're only pumping one breast, you will get a bit of a letdown on the other breast as well. So really you're just kind of making the most efficient use of that oxytocin release and letdown. Um, but beyond that, it saves a lot of time. So when you consider that most exclusively pumping moms are pumping about 120, 140 minutes a day, and some will pump uh, longer than that, you would actually be having to double your time sitting and expressing milk if you were only single pumping. So I think the time constraints alone um, 
are a good reason to double pump. Um, and as for massage, definitely I think massage helps to stimulate letdown and it also helps to remove milk. Um, when, when, you're, when you're breastfeeding, but I think when you're pumping even more, you really get to know your breasts well. <laughs> and so getting hands-on and you know, feeling for spots that are, are hard where the ducts are maybe getting blocked, um, getting your hands in there and, and you know, massaging at those areas is really important because you know, sometimes pumps don't remove milk as well as we'd like them to. So using massage, using breast compressions while you're pumping can help make the uh, milk expression much more efficient than if you're not using your hands. Okay. And talking about efficiency, um, what tips can you offer for setting up a pump schedule? To some extent, scheduling depends on how old your baby is, what your personal responsibilities are. And I think even to some extent, what kind of personality you have. If you're, you know, very type A and like things very scheduled, you probably will enjoy a much more regimented kind of schedule. Um, If you're pumping from birth, um, it's important to pump very frequently. So in the first few days, you're probably wanting to pump at least eight times a day and even better would be 10 to 12 times a day for the first few days. Uh, And then once your supply starts to increase, you can drop that down a little bit. And then again, when your milk supply increases to a point where you are able to meet your baby's needs for the first to a level where they're going to be at for the next uh, few months. Um, A lot of women will even be able to drop it down to about five times a day or so and still maintain supply. So it kind of depends where you are in terms of how to set up your your schedule. Um, Basically, the the big thing I would say is, you know, know that the number of sessions per day is usually considered to be more important than spacing them out evenly. So if you can't, you know, do a regimented every three hours or every four hours through the day, know that if you can get every two hours for the morning and then you have to take a slightly longer breaks in the afternoon, for example, that that's okay. And in the end, it'll all kind of even out. Um, early on, I would always suggest never going much more than four hours without pumping. And once your supply um, has increased and you're kind of at a maintenance stage where you're you're just kind of holding and trying to maintain your supply, not going more than five or six hours um, between sessions is always a good strategy. Um, and I always recommend, I don't know how many women take me up on this, but I always recommend that women get a really good working knowledge of how milk production happens because I think when you understand how supply is maintained, um, then you can make better decisions with regards to your own schedule and know what's a good thing to do and what is probably best to avoid. Okay. Ladies on the panel um, in our studio, I would love to know kind of what, what your schedule maybe looked like, especially for Cindy and um, for Jane, since you're no longer exclusively pumping. How did that change over time, um, starting from kind of in the beginning, how often you were pumping, and how did you kind of modulate this schedule through that first year and, and second year? And then Sunny kind of what, what your schedule looks like now. So, um, Cindy, you want to start? Sure. Um, since I was planning on exclusively pumping from the beginning, I started right away at the hospital, kind of on my own, <laughs> um, tried to pump, and, you know, nothing nothing really came out for the first couple of days, but I just kept at it, and I kept doing it every two hours, even if only a drop came out. I still 
wanted to try, so I kept doing it. By about the third day, I started getting maybe two ounces. So I would do it for every two hours, maybe for like the first month. And then after that, I kind of increased it to every three hours. And just depending on how full my breasts would get, I would empty them. But usually I did it around two to three hours in the beginning. And then when I started work, he was about three or four months old. And I pumped before I went to work, twice at work, and then twice when I got home. So you're able to kind of back it up to just five times mm-hmm. in a 24 hour period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about you, Jane? Um, I think I pretty much started the same where I was doing it every two hours um, at the very beginning and then um, kind of slowly started spacing them out every three. And then as I got, as my son got older, I started spacing them out even more. Um, I had low supply, so um, whatever I could get was the best. So, when your son was over a year old, do you remember how often you what you kind of switched to about that point? Uh, when my son hit a year old, I was doing between three and four pumps a day. Okay, it just kind of depended on what he would allow me to do and when I could mm-hmm. squeeze those in. And then when he started getting closer to the age of two, I started dropping my pumps right around 18 months. I started dropping my pumps down to about two pumps a day because he was getting way more active than I could handle. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Sunny? What does your pumping schedule look like right now with two and a half month old twins? Well, it's actually transitioning. Um, when I first started, it was every three hours, every three hours. And I would you know, really from the get-go, I was getting really, you know, good milk supply from um, once my full milk came in, which is probably about day three. I mean, I was able to give the twins exactly what they needed. I, I wanted to get to the stage where I was, you know, building a surplus like in my my freezer. Um, I'm still really not at that stage. But, you know, um, I think the bottles themselves, you know, it's a double hospital grade pump. Uh, I think the bottles are about two and a half ounces if I, you know, push push it right to the rim um and that's what they were taking for the first couple months and but I was doing it every three hours you know I literally set it on my phone every three hours I would do that and then once they got to um you know past the the um their due date of when they were supposed to be born um then everything kind of switched. I don't know, like a trick. It's like they knew it was past their due date now. And, and, and they started to get much better at, at latching. So I was trying to do a little bit more of the breastfeeding. Still, you know, it, it was painful at times. So it really wasn't my preference yet. And I knew there was some tongue-tie, lip-tie issues. So I wasn't pushing it so much. Um, but as far as how it is now, I'm really trying to back off the schedule a little bit. And if I can always have at least a couple of those you know, two to three ounce bottles around. Um, I try not to really pump until I I feel uncomfortable. And I don't know if that's a really good thing to do for, um, you know, supply. But when I start to feel uncomfortable, I know I need to pump. Um, You know, if I've got those bottles around, if the girls need to eat before then, you know, then I feel like that's my my fail safe. That's my, okay, I can give them a bottle so I don't have to run around. And there's nothing worse than two babies crying at once. (laughs) Okay, because I have tried to balance two babies and pump at the same time, and that does not work. (laughs) So that's why I need those bottles to the side. So, I mean, how many times, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm not sure how much I am pumping because 
because um, the girls are starting to breastfeed a little bit more. I'm doing some stuff at night. That's my big thing right now. At nighttime, can I avoid, you know, can I do like a 2 a.m. pump and not pump again until 6 or 7 in the morning? Or um, That's what I'm trying to do. And if the girls wake up, then we do some side nursing. And that seems to be working for us. So I, I would guess we're probably around the six times a day pumping. Okay. Yeah. Robin, um, I have a virtual panelist question. Um, kind of, uh, I think she has had issues with supply because she's asking like, what's a good schedule to go by? She's currently on Reglan, um, ten milligrams three times a day, plus doing kangaroo care, drinking teas, plus taking mother's milk, and still only getting about two ounces total. And she's been pumping sporadically about six to eight times a day. So I wonder, I mean, with people you know that have issues with low, low supply. Uh, what what is it every hour every you know like when I was doing it, it was like um and I didn't do it for so long because it made me crazy um <laughs> but it was um try to nurse and and supplement at the breast and then once I was done it was pump and then once I was done it was nurse again and so like it just made me crazy so with people with low supply it's like you know what does a schedule look like for them if you're not getting very much Stephanie, would you would you recommend that she pumps more than I can't imagine recommending pumping more than every two hours? You know, it, it's it's kind of an individual thing. I think the first thing that you always need to look at is the schedule, and I would always say start pumping at least every two hours. You know, sometimes you can do like cluster pumping at night, just like a baby cluster nurses at night, and you know, take a period of a couple, two, three hours, and pump for about 10 minutes and then take a break for 10 minutes and then pump for 10 minutes and take a break for 10 minutes. And so you get a really intensive period of, of pumping, and sometimes that can help. Um, in this case, you know, I would ask what kind of pump you're using. Do the flanges fit you properly? Right. You know, are there issues with in, um, insufficient glandular tissue? Or are there any history of, you know, there's, some, there's, a, there's often, you know, med- medical issues that might uh, also affect supply. So really, in, in cases where it seems like you're doing everything right, and in, on the surface this would seem to be the case with this lady, um, you know, sometimes a little more investigation is needed. Um, and, and ultimately, I think you've always got to remember that any amount is good. And, you know, oftentimes it can be, it can be so easy to get caught up in the numbers when you're pumping uh, because, you know, you see the volume every time you, you sit down to, to pump. You, you see the amount you're giving your baby, um, and you can get caught up in those numbers and start your, your own value as a mother can often get tied up with those numbers. And so it's really important in cases where you're not maybe quite meeting your baby's needs to to re- remind yourself of that, that, you know, even 10 ounces a day, if you see value in that 10 ounces, then that 10 ounces is amazing. And it doesn't matter if you're needing to supplement with formula. So um, that, that's a really long answer. <laughs> yeah, no, no easy answer. Um, yeah. All right. So final question for you, Stephanie. This is the question that came up most on our Facebook page for you. Um, how do you answer the question, are you breastfeeding when you are exclusively pumping? Personally, I always encourage women, encourage women to say that they are exclusively pumping, that they are expressing milk and feeding express breast milk to their baby. And the reason I say that is because I think it's, it's an option that needs to be more visible in our society. I think there's a lot of women who face breastfeeding difficulties and who think their only option now is to feed formula. 
Um, so I think the more we talk about it as an option, um, as an alternative to formula feeding when breastfeeding isn't working out, I, I think that can only be positive. Um, I think there's a lot of medical professionals who often often need to be told that it is possible. You know, all, there's always, you know, women commenting that, you know, my doctor said I'll never be able to ma- maintain supply or, you know, whoever it might be that they've come across saying that it's impossible, you shouldn't do it. So I think, you know, in, in many cases saying I'm not breastfeeding but I'm pumping and I'm feeding my baby express breast milk, I think that from an advocacy standpoint, is, is sometimes a good option. Um, sometimes, though, you know, you might be talking to somebody in passing or a nosy neighbor who wants to know these things, and I don't see anything wrong with saying, yes, I'm breastfeeding. You know, um, sometimes, you know, there, there, there's the feeling uh, some women feel that there, there's no difference between breastfeeding and feeding express breast milk. And, you know, it, really it's, it's a personal, personal choice uh, as to how you answer the question. Um, and what you're comfortable with and, and what you believe. And in the end, you know, every mother who is, a, is feeding express breast milk is doing so because they love their child. And, you know, it's the same reason that any woman is breastfeeding her child is because you love your child. So ultimately it comes down to that, that, you know, we're all doing what we can do and how we, how we do it is really not as important. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that answers the question. That's really. a great answer. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah, right? I yeah. love that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, and to our incredible panelists for discussing this really important topic. I'm super excited because Stephanie is actually going to come back on the show in a couple weeks to really delve into this a little bit deeper since this was such a an extensive conversation that we didn't have time to touch upon everything um, in this. So we're excited to have you back in a couple weeks, Stephanie. I'm looking forward to it. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show as Stephanie will offer her top tips for relaxing while pumping. For more information for our about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, Boob Group. This is Donna Rose Feinberg, editor of breastfeedingtwins.org. I'm a mom of twins and a board-certified lactation consultant in the Seattle area. Today, we are going to talk about managing breastfeeding without a helper or a second set of hands. In the early days, we hope you have some extra help around the house. Your partner, mom, or postpartum doula can help position babies for breastfeeding and can help with burping, rocking, and, of course, diaper changes but chances are at some point you'll need to manage both babies by yourself. Here are some tips. Make yourself a nursing nest. Bring together everything you might need for a long stretch of sitting with nursing babies. Have snacks, water, your phone, the TV remote, and anything else you might need nearby. Make your nursing nest comfortable. This may mean taking up residence on the couch, in bed, or even on the floor with lots of pillows for support. Pick someplace where you will be comfortable and will have plenty of room to spread out. Create safe spaces to rest babies while you are getting settled for breastfeeding. 
When they are younger and not yet rolling, placing them in the middle of the bed or in the back corner of the couch briefly may be sufficient. As they get older, you may want to use infant lounger pillows or bouncy chairs to hold the babies as you get settled with your breastfeeding pillow and again when you're finished. Both help keep the babies a bit upright after feeding, which may be helpful for some babies with gas or reflux. If possible, make the transition gradual. This may mean your partner starts out back to work part-time for a few days before going back to a regular schedule, or that your mom comes by in the afternoons to lend a hand for a while. It's helpful to know you have backup coming when you feel overwhelmed. Once you've managed the loan for a little while, you'll have the confidence to handle larger stretches. For more tips and personal breastfeeding stories, please visit breastfeedingtwins.org and keep listening to The Boob Group for more twin tips. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, and our show, Parent Savers, for moms and dads with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our brand new show, Twin Talks, for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, NewMommyMedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.